Good morning. Hey, great to see you guys. Thank you for braving being in a crowd. And thank you guys who are watching by uh, the internet, by live stream. Thank you for joining with us. I got a great note from somebody this past week. I just want to pass along their gratitude. They, they're Actually, they were not able to be here in one of our gatherings this past week. Uh, they were at home with their wife who wasn't feeling well and just went out of the way to send a note to say thanks for making this available for folks who just can't be here. And so uh, it's guys like Bob and Mike back there who are making our live stream happen every time we do it and working out all the details. So thank you guys for serving us and serving folks who can't be here with us this morning. And we have started the year 2022 uh, with the word pause. And uh, if, you're, if you're one of the men, you'll be joining us at the end of the month. It's just important, you know, the, wor- the more the world can stuff into our 24 hours, which is just a reality, isn't it? I mean, there's more stuff in 24 hours today than there was a decade ago or two decades ago. So the more that happens the more critical it becomes that you and I are are learning how to posture ourselves in the midst of of all that noise. And so I just felt like the Lord wanted us to start the year pausing and, and visiting a couple of settings where God paused with people as they were about to go into something else. And so we're starting 2022. I don't know exactly all that that's going to mean for you, It's going to mean something for me. It's going to mean something for you. 2022, God's got plans and a new year is here. And and we have stopped and paused and and looked at what God imparts when folks meet with him and pause with him. And and so I want to to just invite you this morning. This should be every Sunday morning, by the way. Every Sunday morning should be its own moment of pause. It should be a moment when you dial back the noise, when you are in one place accessible to God in a way that's different than any other place. And I appreciate you. You've got devotional moments. You've got podcasts you're listening to while you're driving in a car. You've got all kinds of ways that you can interact with God. But most of our lives are becoming an interaction with God while we're doing something else. Amen? Amen? Come on, wake up. But when we gather in here... There's something holy about this meeting and it's a struggle, right? I know I'm in worship just now and my to-do list will not leave me alone that I know I've got today. I've got a bunch of things I've got to do today. I've got to get done today. So pausing is about putting everything else in another place while we're just right here with God. And and I want to invite you to, to, to pause with me this morning And anticipate something before we leave here today. An exchange with God before you leave here today. Getting something from God before you leave here today. And we're going to talk about pausing for power today. We talked last week about the great pause of the greatest man. Jesus paused before he launched into three years of ministry that changed the world. Today, we're going to talk about the great pause of the greatest organization. Right? I, if you were an organization, you wanted to spread your message, spread your product, and, and touch the world. There is no organization that's done that at a greater level with more impact than the church. 
You look on the global, nothing died out from one generation to another, nothing went out of style. Here you are thousands of years later and the operation of the church has taken the gospel to the ends of the world. It is the greatest organization ever. But it had this pause moment that we're going to explore a little bit today. But I want to, I'm going to give away the, the main point. The, 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 the pause was a pause for power. That's what gets highlighted when you read the Bible. When Jesus launched his ministry and when the church launches its ministry, it pauses for power. And so uh, I, I appreciate how well educated we are theologically as a people. So we would all be able to say, we know that we have power. Can you all say that, right? Do you know you have power? Can I tell you your vacuum cleaner has power too? Do you know where your vacuum cleaner is right now? Do you know what it's doing right now? Right, it's sleeping. <laughs> it's in a closet somewhere, right? Uh, and then theologically, when you take your vacuum cleaner out of the closet and you plug it into the wall, it's got power now, doesn't it? Yes and no. Because it's still just sitting there and it ain't doing a whole lot. Until what? You turn it on, right? There's a little on switch on your vacuum cleaner. It does amazing things when it's on. Now it's got power, but it's not on. How many know that's the story of a lot of Christians? They got power. And they can preach they got power. And you can take me to the Bible and show me all the power that the Bible's granted you to have. But then you pick up the lens and focus it on the life of the person who just explained that great stuff from the Bible. And from the life, it looks like somebody forgot to turn the switch on. So I want us to be real here because I want to talk to us from the Bible about power. But when you and I look at our lives, let's, let's not create this false awareness. Oh, I, Keith, I agree with everything you said. All right. I'm not, I'm not just wanting you to agree with everything I said. I do want you to agree because if we don't see it in the Bible, let's not agree on anything. But once we see it in the Bible, can we all now agree that that power can be here and not here? You with me? There could be a power outage coming out of me that the Bible's not okay with. All right, so last week we looked at Jesus' pauses right at the inauguration of his ministry, and he pauses for power. John Piper says this so well. He says, with that fullness, right, the Spirit led him into the solitude for 40 days. He went away from family and friends and crowds and lived in the desert for 40 days. That's almost six weeks. No radio, no television, no computers, no billboards. And this wasn't the only time. Luke 5 shows that other times Jesus went away alone. It must be that preparation for ministry demands significant times of solitude. Can I just stop and, and, and make sure all of us are hearing that, not just guys who maybe have a calling, that they have a microphone in front of them, that they're doing ministry. Listen, everybody in the body of Christ is doing ministry. Everybody's doing ministry. We're all called to be priests of God. When you pray, you're doing ministry. You're bringing heaven to touch earth. You, you do that with power. 
You understand, you could be wielding more power in your prayer closet than what might ever come from this pulpit. So you're doing ministry, and that line means something, doesn't it? It must be that preparation for ministry demands significant times of solitude. There's something happening when we're pausing and we're engaging God that's doing something to me, in me, investing something in me that's going to find its way out of me in settings when I begin to interact with others. And we need that to do ministry. We simply can't maintain a radical God-centeredness under an unbroken barrage of human interaction. We simply can't. The depth and value of what you bring in your heart to other people will depend on what you do with your solitude. Yes, it will. That's sobering. That there may be something that God does in me and to me in my moments of, of pausing and dialing back the noise and dialing back the people and just getting around God for an exchange with him that might change everything about what I'm going to impart to somebody else in a moment of my life with them. That's pretty important, isn't it? Can, can I just... There, there's something to be said for reading books. We encourage reading books. There's something to be said for gathering in meetings and small groups and fellowship with one another. All those things have dynamics to them that we need. But there is, there is a you and God exchange that can't be substituted for by anything else. And God does something in those moments that you and I are going to need in every venue where we manifest the image of God. And that's what ministry is. Ministry is manifesting the image of God into this world. So we need that. Piper goes on and says, I urge all of you to find a pattern of personal solitude. Now, one of the things that we have done for years, going back to the late 1990s, is we have started our year with a men's retreat aiming specifically at men at an important moment in the year. And quite often, if you go back and visit the history of what we have talked about at men's retreats for over two decades, uh, what you will find is an interaction with something that sits close to this category. Some of you guys will remember way, way back when we would go away for a couple of days into the woods and you weren't allowed to talk to anybody outside the meeting. Do you remember that? It was two days of silence. It was you getting away from everybody. If you pass somebody on the walkway in between meetings, you weren't allowed to talk to them. You could talk to them while the meeting was gathered, just beforehand. We'd have worship, we'd have teaching settings, but it was intended to be an, a you and God kind of a moment. And we have intentionally designed men's retreats for that. Because men, can I just tell you, if what John Piper just said is true, and it is true, not because he said it, but because it's a biblical reality, if there is not significant pause moments built into your life, listen to me, I don't know what you're doing to the people around you. Because there's just a not so nice version of me and every one of us that travels with me into every setting and every place. 
And so if, if there's not something from God invading this version of me so that others around me can have that version of me, then whatever is natural in me, it's coming out. And it's, it's focused on certain things. It's really jazzed about certain things. It's silent about other things. It's unaware of some things. And I'm imparting all that. It's irritated by certain things. It's prioritizing certain things. It's engaging you and it's ignoring you. And that's who I am. Man, can I tell you, I don't know what 2022 is going to look like, but if you haven't significantly paused and got around God, to hear something from him for a game plan for your coming year. Not only are you going to pay a price for that, but everybody around you is going to pay a price as well. So there's a reason why January typically has a men's retreat in it. And that's why. Because we want to start the year recognizing we need serious encounters with the living God personally to be who God's called us to be. Jesus is launching his ministry with a serious encounter with the living God. Let's look at what Jesus does here, and then we're going to spill over into what we do as an organization in the church. Matthew chapter 3, skip through this last week quickly on our way to Jesus meeting the devil. But Jesus' baptism is spoken of at this inaugural moment. He's lived three decades with next to no public ministry, and now public ministry is beginning, and Jesus is representing us in ways into this public ministry setting. And the first order of business is he's going to be baptized. And there's an exchange that's going to take place here. Listen to the words and how important they are. Matthew 3, verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. Do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so for now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. Listen, and when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. I just want to quickly highlight some things that are here before I transfer to what Jesus imparts this to us. All right, in this inaugural moment, there's a baptism. There's a, a water baptism that starts this inaugural moment. And, and without unpacking the doctrine of water baptism, you know, there's imagery there. There is, there is this plunging into something. There is this being immersed in something, language and imagery that's there. There is a cleansing that is spoken of in baptism. Uh, that cleansing, you know, this is Jesus fulfilling righteousness. So he is actually modeling something for us. He's not needing to be cleansed of anything in this moment. So he is doing something for us to be aware of. But, but what is happening in this moment is the mission is going forward. 
30 years, remember, 30 years of Jesus living as a human being, doing what human beings do. But now it's time for the ministry to go public and some unique aspects of Jesus is now going to go on display that were not on display up until this moment. And that mission gets inaugurated with baptism. Can I just tell you, as a Christian... Our mission gets inaugurated. No one should be here today. If you've read much of your Bible, no one should be here today with the idea that, well, I've always been a Christian. No one should be here that way. Now, maybe you grew up in a Christian family. Maybe you'd be able to say there were Christians that were in my family before I was there. But you could not say you have always been a Christian. Because at some point, the mission comes to you and saves you and gives you a new life. And in that moment, God immerses you in his life and he comes to live in you. And, and I don't take fault with anybody. We've had moments and we will have moments again where we invite people to respond to the gospel. And then they come forward and they receive prayer. And, and many of us can remember that moment when we did something like that. And we know our lives began to be different from that moment on. In that moment, there was an inaugural connection with God that that just began to feel different and express itself differently. The one thing that's clear in the Bible is the one response that everybody should share. Maybe you got saved by reading a book, sitting in your house by yourself, watching something online. You got saved, went to a, a, a meeting, a friend of yours led you to Christ at a coffee table. Any of those things could be true. But the one thing that characterizes everybody when you inaugurate the mission is you get baptized. In the Bible, everybody who goes on this mission with God gets baptized. So let me just remind all of us, you know, we're we're actually going to be doing a baptism coming up in February. If you've not been baptized since you have become a believer, you want to do what Jesus did. He, He was fulfilling all righteousness as a model for us. He didn't need to be baptized, if you will. But he modeled something for us. He started this mission being baptized, and and you should be starting your mission being baptized as well. So if you'd like to be baptized, you can register for that. You can go on the app and register for the class that's coming up in a few weeks. You can scan that little uh, QR code on the back of your notes. This morning, it'll take you there, and you can register for that class, and then we're going to have a baptism early in February. But there's another thing that happens here. The Spirit of God descending like a dove upon Jesus. Right, I wrote this in your outline. This, this is what Luke calls an anointing. Right, whatever we know of Jesus' life up to this moment, this coming of the Spirit is a distinct marker of this moment and of the days going forward. This is one of the helpful moments about pausing. Sometimes when you and I fail to pause significantly, just kind of gather ourselves with God and and hear something that we need to hear, what we end up doing is just continuing what we were doing the way we were doing it. And so 2021 just rolls into 2022. Whatever you were doing, you just keep doing what you were doing. In this moment with Jesus, he is not keeping on doing what he was doing. This This is a transition moment. Something significant spiritually is happening. The Bible goes out of its way to say the spirit of God descended upon him. This day forward is not like it was up until this moment. And Jesus, Luke chapter 4, Luke 4 picks up the same exact moment that Matthew 3 is, is introducing us to in Matthew 4. 
this coming of the Spirit, this baptism moment, this leading of the Spirit into the wilderness. And then Jesus comes back from the wilderness that we looked at last week. And then he begins his ministry. And of the first meetings that he has, Luke chapter 4, this is what he preaches. His first meeting in Nazareth. He came to Nazareth, Luke 4, 16, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is the first message he preaches. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. He knew that. He knew something was different. The spirit of of the Lord is upon me. By the way, this is, this is ripe Luke language, that upon language of Luke. Can I, can I just officially say this to arouse your curiosity? I think Luke is the foremost Holy Spirit theologian in the New Testament. And you might argue Paul. I would say Paul says very little compared to Luke in some of these categories. Paul unpacks what the Spirit is doing much later on in the common spaces. Luke unpacks what it is like to have a living exchange with the Spirit and what that transition looks like. And he unpacks it with words like this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, I don't know what our screen puts up. You know, our screen puts these things up one at a time. If you could see the whole paragraph there, which is the way they should be putting them up, by the way, Pete Shepperstein. Um, If you could see the whole paragraph there, you would see verse 18 connected and vitally pulling into it the activity that's just after it. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Why? Why is the Spirit of the Lord upon Jesus? Because he has anointed me to fill in the blanks. He has given me something, anointed me to do something. What are those things? Well, those are the rest of those verses. To proclaim, to proclaim, to bring liberty, to touch lives, to to open eyes, to give insight, to bring freedom to those who are bound up by things and held. How does all of that take place? It takes place because the spirit of the Lord is upon me. That's what he does. Because of that, these other things can happen. So when Jesus explains his own ministry... He highlights that it is this unique power that I receive by the Holy Spirit to do the things that you're going to observe me do. And here's where this is so important for us. Then he turns around and he anticipates that same power for our mission and our ministry. He does not merely look at his own activity and say, hey, this is unique for me. After all, I'm the guy who walks on water and come back from the dead. The rest of y'all, you know, you just kind of like, Junior versions, you're not going to need anything like this. Just put on a smile, be decent people. You, here, here's a book. Tell everybody about the book and repeat things from it. No, that's not what he says, right? He connects our ministry to this power and this purpose as well. So again, Luke jumps from Luke 4. You trace Luke's thought all the way to Luke 24. 
verse 49, it says, And behold, I am sending, Jesus says, the promise of my Father upon you. Do not overlook Luke's choice of words. Because Luke's going to use that same set of words throughout the book of Acts as well. Luke's going to speak about a dimension of the Spirit in a way that Paul, quite honestly, does not. As a matter of fact, if you take Paul's words and marry them together with Luke's words, in some categories, you will be confused by that. Paul is describing the ministry of the Spirit. Luke is as well. Luke is describing something that comes upon you. Okay, so, so this is a little bit different than the way the Bible richly, right? You, you've got three profound theologians, obviously, in the scriptures on the Holy Spirit. You have John, you have Luke, and you have Paul. And if you study them uniquely, you'll find they don't emphasize all the same things. Luke is all over this filling and coming upon and fell upon language. He uses it more than anybody else. And it always looks and acts and behaves a certain way, which is a little bit different than indwelling. The inner birth that John talks more about than anybody talks about. So there are dimensions of the spirit that we want to make sure the Bible's fully informing us about. But Luke says, Jesus said, I am sending the promise of my father upon you. But pause. Stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. That's what this dimension of the spirit is about. And then Jesus is going to receive something here in, in, in Matthew, a, a bit of a divine endorsement that's here. And this is, this is so important. I'm not going to take time on this. But, you know, as you and I proceed into 2022, there, there is this awareness that Jesus gets at the beginning of his ministry that you and I get as well. That God is with us and he's for us. Jesus gets that as well, right? Matthew 3, verse 13, this, 15. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen, if you're going, if you're going on a mission for God this year, and I hope every one of us are, you're going to need to hear the God of the universe who scares the wits out of you also say to you, I'm well pleased with you. Amidst all the problems you may be bringing to the table, I'm well pleased with you. Jesus said this in Matthew 28, go into all the world and make disciples. Behold, I am with you always until the end of the age. There's something about inaugurating. There's something about pausing with God. There's something about whatever mission you're on that right now would be a good moment to stop and listen and to hear God say, I'm well pleased and I'm with you. Because there are, I promise you this, there are going to be moments in 2022 when you're going to wonder about both of those. Guaranteed. Is God pleased? Anybody wonder whether God was pleased with them last year? Is God with me? Is God really with me right now in this and all that's going on in my life? God is with me? Okay, you're going to need to have remembered, yes. Yes, the sound of Jesus saying that to me bounces off of my heart. I know he's with me, even though it doesn't feel like he is. You're going to need that in the coming year. But let me go back to this pause for power. Again, Luke picks this up again. Luke finishes 
the gospel of Luke and picks up Acts and he goes right back to this power thing. Acts chapter one, verse four. While staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to pause. Wait for the promise of the father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water. So there's the inaugural baptism in water. But you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. All right, pay attention to the pattern here because you're going to see it repeated. So there is this start with water baptism. Be immersed in the purpose of God. Be aware of the forgiveness that you've been cleansed. And you are now a new person in Christ. And let the Spirit of God come upon you. That's what happened with Jesus. That's what Luke is describing here, and we're going to see it elsewhere. Verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Luke likes these words. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, to the end of the earth. So let me look at three things real quickly under this heading. One, a focus on power. Second, the mystery of power. And third, a warning about power. Let's look at the focus on power. And I hope this is very, very clear. I hope I I don't communicate this at all in a confusing way. Um, How many of us recognize it, it, it takes some sort of power to do life? You recognize that? Because I, I think this might be one of the reasons why we fumble the particular kind of power Jesus is referring to, right? So, so people in general, all of us included here, uh, we recognize we operate with certain types of power in our lives. And we seek certain types of power in our lives, right? So I'll put some lists in your outline there. there there's physical power. This is real power. There's, there's real physical power that, that takes some kind of power to pick this up. Can't pick this up as easily, but it takes a little more power than I probably have um, to do that. There's, there's energy in your life that you have, you have energy to do things and then sometimes you don't. You have abilities. You have the ability to think. You have the ability to communicate, right? There, there's, there's power that it takes to do that. There's functional power. Like education. You get well-educated in particular areas, that that will bring an outcome in your life. It will open doors of opportunity for you. It will change your income. There's talents. There are skills that we have. That these are functional things in our lives. So we we have power through the use of these skills in your life. You have power to bless. There are medical folks in our community. We're so grateful for you guys, especially how crazy it's been in your world lately. We come to the hospital. We, we have hope that you're going to use the power you have through your knowledge and your skills to help us. You, you have power. That power actually does touch life. It's meaningful. There's influential power. There's power over people and power over settings. Some people have more power than others in these categories. Their personalities are a certain way. They, they can engage folks. They can draw people in. Some people are better salesmen than others. They have the power to persuade others to cause you to go with the things that they're suggesting that you go with. There is people that you influence in your life who make up your tribe, your clan, your family, your people group, your social setting. You have 
power over them and they have some kind of power over you. How many of you guys have ever been influenced by another human being to look a certain way, dress a certain way, think a certain way, do a certain thing? Now, I don't know if you thought of that as like some kind of electrical charge coming at you from them, but that's power in your life. And it's actually showed up and it's made its mark on you. There's economic power in our world. It's, it's real power. It affects the way we live our lives. It affects whether we buy that or, or do this thing or we avoid that or we budget things a certain way. Right? That's real power. There's governmental power. There's military power. You read the history of humanity. People have shed tears. They've shed blood. They've spent their time under the oppression of somebody's power in these categories. So, so don't for a second act as though none of that's really power. Because, you know, Acts chapter 1 verse 8, that's power. Can I tell you, these things are all power. They're all power. And, and, and if you drop that insight, you will act as though there's only one kind of power. And then you will not be able to explain why is it that you and I spend so much time pursuing other kinds of power. Are you with me? Don't make that mistake. Because my life is full of the pursuit of power. I'm just not sure it's Acts chapter 1 verse 8 power. But I see the value of all these other powers. And I've been affected by them in good ways and in not so good ways. In the Bible, there's there's a mystery to power. And I'm not going to unpack this word. But but there's a, a word in the Greek that's used in the New Testament. It's the word exousia. It doesn't get always translated as power. It's translated as power 69 times in the New Testament. But it's translated as authority 29 times. A significant number of times when the word exousia is in a moment, what you are seeing there is what some translators call the right to exercise power. That's how some translate that word. So it's not just like power. Like, you know, you don't think of power. You plug your vacuum cleaner into the wall. You're not thinking that anybody's got any rights here. There's no authority. You're just thinking power. But in the Bible, power and authority are related. So there is a right to exercise power, right? If you and I turn to the end of Matthew and we look at chapter 28, it's very interesting how Jesus launches the Great Commission, right? We're very familiar with these words. Sometimes we read them too fast and go catches our attention and what's preceding it might not. But he starts the Great Commission this way. Verse 18, Jesus came and said to them, all exousia, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. That's an interesting starting point. Jesus initial point of what is most important is that he has rights over power. I can send you to do this because I have the right to give you the power to do what I'm telling you to do. Did they have any power in this moment? Yes. Some of them were persuasive individuals. They had knowledge of the scriptures, the scriptures alone can bring insight into people's lives and wisdom into people's lives. They, they had some kind of power in this moment. Their hearts were beating. They were vibrant people. They were willing to make sacrifices. They'd already proven all that. But Jesus starts this mission by saying, all authority, all exousia 
in this world is mine. And, you know, if it's interesting to, to notice this, Jesus has this three-year ministry where if, if, you, if you're catching him doing anything in any place, it is he is demonstrating his authority everywhere he goes. And if you look for that and you read the Gospels, you'll read them differently. Every moment that Jesus shows up, he's giving you a lesson that he has the right over that. And I have the right over that. And I have power over that. And and I can tell the molecules that just were lined up as H2O in water. I can tell them to behave differently in this moment and to turn into wine. Watch. And that's what he did. I have the right and the authority, exousia, the power over a storm to just tell it when to blow and when to stop. Just like that. And he did. I have the right, the exousia, to engage the demonic world that nobody seems to be able to stop in in humanity. People who were controlled and their lives were wrecked by demons. Jesus merely came up to them and spoke to them, didn't he? Even when Jesus taught, people recognized authority. They said, this man teaches not as one of the scribes, but as one who has authority. Jesus is demonstrating in one place after another that he has exousia. He has the right to exercise power in this world. And then he meets with his disciples and he says, I give you exousia. Pause. Don't go anywhere. You need this power. Otherwise, the things that I'm calling you to do, they're not going to listen to you. Oh, you can still go get educated. You can still go to seminary somewhere. You can still go get a job. You can develop some skills. Your personality will persuade some people of all kinds of things. You can do all that. But you can't do what I'm talking about. Right? You remember this insight, the keys to the kingdom insight in Matthew chapter 16? All right, keys, keys are things that unlock things, right? They, they have an ability in them to open things. Now, when Jesus, Matthew 16, verse 13, now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, what do people, who do people rather say that the son of man is? And they said, well, some say John the Baptist. Eh. Others say Elijah. Eh. Others say Jeremiah. Eh. Or one of the prophets. Eh. Thanks for participating. (laughs) That's the one thing you're going to remember from this message, right? (laughs) All right, here's what you got to love about all those answers. They're all compliments, right? I mean, who do do people say Keith Collins is? If anybody said any of these guys, I'd be pleased. (laughs) A lie. All right, I control the buzzer. Thank you. I don't know who did that. Uh, wrong for a whole different set of reasons. And then he says, well, who do you say that I am? And then Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. 
you understand? That was a power encounter. That was a man with the inability to recognize who Jesus was. Suddenly having the ability to recognize who Jesus was, unlike everybody else who just demonstrated. Hey, we can come up with something good for Jesus. We can label him this, so we can label him that. He was, you know, he was a great moral teacher. He was the ultimate example of a human being. He was, he was perhaps the most influential teacher in human history. Eh, eh, eh. That's all wrong. But it's what human beings come up with in their own power. At least it's a compliment or not really for Jesus, though. To see who Jesus really is. It takes the power of God to see who Jesus really is. That's what caught Jesus' attention when Peter answered. It's like, whoa, that ain't natural right there. That's something more than some well-intended egghead picking up scrolls in the Old Testament and figuring this thing out. That's a recognition that for you to see divine things the way God has revealed them, it takes the power of God to do it. Now, watch what Jesus says next right after this verse 18. I tell you, you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. That's power. And that's rights. That's authority. I give you keys. Where else would you get those keys? I give you keys to do things like unlock things that are mysteries to everybody. That's what I give you the authority and the power to do. So when we get to Matthew 28, it's like Jesus is saying, I have the keys to the kingdom and I'm going to give them to you. That's what Jesus is saying when he says, I have all the authority. I'm giving this to you. So there is this, this exousia, this, there is this power in the world that is mysterious. It's, it's different. It's It catches our attention in a strange and unique way. Not because there isn't other powers out there, but because this one is weird. This one's like magic. When you come on the scene of a movie or, you know, it's intriguing, isn't it? To, To read a story and then somebody's got weird power that nobody else has. What is it about those stories? We just love those stories, right? Or there's a little group of people tapping into power, you know, so there's, there's magic Somewhere here. What what is all that? Well, it's somebody using unnatural powers. It's somebody tapping into powers that the average Joe doesn't have. And we love those stories. They're all over the place. It's it's Star Wars. It's all these people with all their technology and all their stuff. But there's this mysterious force out there that some people have figured out how to turn the on switch on and tap into it. There's the ring. Yes, I do have to mention the Lord of the Rings. Somebody corrected me a couple of weeks ago because I didn't. Um, There's this mysterious ring, right? It's got power in it. Not everybody knows how to wield that power, but it's got power in it. Or there's the infinity stones. Those of you guys are a little bit more recent in your studies, right? And there's, there's power available if you can just harness the infinity stones. Everybody else is doing life with just like common power. You can have extraordinary power. We love this. 
And it's helpful for us to realize, I wrote in your outline there, clearly the Christian life is not merely the jacking up of the other powers. It is the receiving and making use of the power spoken of in Luke chapter 24 and Acts chapter 1. Those other powers exist and they're real and your life has been affected by them. Charles Spurgeon says, he begins by speaking to them about his own power. He says, all power is given to me in heaven and on earth. We are not fit to go out to work for Christ till we truly know him ourselves and also know something of the divine power which he is prepared to give to us. It is well for us to learn the lesson ourselves before we attempt to teach it to others. And then the last thing I want to point out to us is there's this warning about power. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I'm going to turn there with me. I'm just going to glance at this. But 1 Corinthians chapter 2 is an acknowledgement of other power and a contrast with this particular power. So it, it is awakening us an awareness that, hey, guys, we could try and do the Christian universe thing with some other power. We could. And that's what Paul interacts with here. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Paul says, And I, when I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. But I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Right before I run off from lofty speech and wisdom, can I just tell you, everybody in his day and in ours who was following anybody was doing so under the persuasion of lofty speech and wisdom. Today, you are wearing the clothes you're wearing. You got the hairstyle you're wearing. You drive the car you're driving. There is so much about your life that's under the power of somebody's lofty speech and wisdom. The philosophy you have, oh my goodness, let's just revisit 2020 and 2021 and let's try to figure out what side of the political discussion you are on. And which ones you're really, really freaked out and animated about and angry about. And you could write a book on right now if you just would get on social media and let everybody know how they ought to think. What was that? You got that from the Bible? I don't think so. You got it from lofty speech and wisdom. So don't for a second think, I'm a Christian. Well, yes, you are. Under the influence of lofty speech and wisdom because those ideas have power. And they had power then. And Paul said, I did not come to you that way. I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. So that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And then he makes it even more intense. He says, yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom. Although it's not a wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret, hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it's written, 
What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love. And this is why Jesus caught the attention when Peter said something. Because that describes man apart from the power of God. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in them? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. This is why you pause and the Holy Spirit comes upon you because you need his operation to have power. That we might understand the things freely given us by God. Listen, and we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to do verse 13. There are things that you and I are going to do that are not natural in advancing the kingdom of God. They're simply not natural. They're, they're not, it doesn't matter how strong you are, you can arm wrestle better than everybody else. You can't advance the kingdom one inch with that power. You need this power. Verse 14, the natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God. For they are folly to him. He is not able. Not able. That's a power word. That's a capacity word. That's an ability word. He cannot do it. He is not able to do it. Because they're spiritually discerned. And again, do not dismiss the other powers that are present. They were present in Paul's world. and, And they were influential. And they affected people's lives. The Roman Empire would have made a mark on you. It controlled where you went, how you lived, what you were taxed, what conditions you lived under. It had influence over your life. The Roman Empire had power. There were wealthy people. It was more than likely most of the Christians who would have read Corinthians. uh, Many of them would have been slaves. Many of them would have been lower class people. If it weren't for the rich guy, we would have nowhere to meet. We meet in his house as Christians. So that wealth had some kind of power in the world. Paul, who was gathering with these house churches, maybe he's got a hundred folks showing up for his meeting. But across town, there's a theater and there's a guy who can speak like nobody else can speak. Remember, Paul was criticized because he wasn't that good of a speaker. There are other people who were impressive. If you just went across town, there were thousands packed into a theater to hear that guy speak. So don't tell me that didn't have any power over people. The masses weren't following Paul. But Paul was showing up with a power that those other people didn't have. Be careful, right? Isn't this a moment to be careful as the church? That we watch the masses follow something and we go, oh, oh, we got to do that. We do that that way. And I'm not saying we don't use communication. We don't gather in buildings. I'm not saying any of that stuff. But all that stuff minus this power doesn't advance the kingdom an inch. And there's lots of churches that could be gathering 
Oh, yeah, their vacuum cleaner's plugged in, but the switch ain't on. Go ahead and have the worship team come back up. I got to tell you, I was praying and meditating on this message a couple of weeks ago. And this, this, this thought came to me and it just reduced me to tears. And I want to say it to you kind of the way it felt. It, it felt like a warning to a younger generation that is in danger of so, knowing so little about this kind of power. And I don't just mean that for people who are just nominal Christians who are walking in the world. I, 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 mean, I mean that for what I see getting published and what I see being written about and what I see being emphasized. And again, there, there is, there's rich doctrinal elements that these books are covering that are really, really good. That I would read them and I would recommend them to many people. But, but there is a noticeable absence of an emphasis on this weird power. Weird power. Can I say that to you? Weird power. It's weird. But so is the stuff in the ring and the the guy who snap his fingers because he's wearing some jewelry and make half the people disappear. That's weird, isn't it? But we go to movies to watch that weirdness and hear a compelling story. This is weird power. And I don't give high marks to those of us who are older. Who have taken power and stuffed it into a small little category and say, yeah, yeah, power. I remember. I remember the encounter I had with Jesus. And we stand up and tell the story and it's 40 years old. And it's in a category. It doesn't describe the categories of God's power. It describes one of the ones that we were taught to highlight. So we're going to talk about speaking in tongues or prophesying because that's what we were taught about 30 years ago so there's there's great power right there listen the generation coming behind us does not need to see this from us older people stories from way back when about speaking in tongues and prophesying but lives right now that don't demonstrate power because i'm not being changed i'm not walking in faith I don't see the kingdom of God. I don't live for the kingdom of God. I'm a crotchety, difficult person to be around. But I got stories about 30 or 40 years ago. That's a problem. That's a vacuum cleaner plugged in, but the switch isn't on. In significant categories. It is a dangerous day for the church. That the thing that Jesus said, pause, before you get about my business, pause for power. Pause for it. Make sure you're aware of it. Listen, I, 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 I pray for us in just a moment. I, I, I'm curious. Jesus in, stepped into the ministry setting with a mindset that made him open up to Isaiah. He found the page. He was Mindful, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Are you mindful of that this morning? 
Are you mindful of that going into 2022? Just doing 2022, just like we did 2021, we're just doing it. Or am I aware the spirit of the Lord is upon me? I have a mindfulness that there is a strange power traveling with me into this year. There are things that God is going to do and wants to do. That the spirit of the Lord is upon me for this coming year. Here's, here's the challenge right in this moment. We're about to get sucked into busy again. The second you walk out of this building, your pause is over. I hope it's not. That's why we give out notes. So the pause can continue into Monday or Tuesday. And you can sit down and say, Lord, tell me again. What were you saying to me this past Sunday? But 2022 lies before us. Before you go running off, Jesus said, hey, disciples, I know you've been with me for three years. You've watched me do all kinds of things. I've taught you amazing stuff, but you wait. You cannot do what I'm sending you to do. You wait until the spirit has come upon you. Now, I want to pray for us this morning. (laughs) How to say this. Some of y'all think it's safe here in this category, in this church. Because we teach so much from the Bible. And these are the moments that you dread. I'm going to pray for you in light of what the Bible says about how the Spirit of God comes upon people. For everybody here who's got their foot on the brake pedal, can I just tell you, Paul's foot was not on the brake pedal in in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 about this. His foot was on the natural power brake pedal. He didn't have his foot on the brake pedal going, hey, 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 let's not have any of that weird power going on. His foot was crammed into the brake pedal to say, enough of the natural power already. We need the power of God in our midst. So here's how I want to pray for us. Did you put those, those last scriptures up on the screen, somebody, for me? I hope. Acts chapter 8. Did that make it? I just... Let's just read the Bible like we've never read it before. All right, this is one, about one year after Pentecost. But when they believed Philip, as he preached good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. All right? So here we have baptism, inauguration. Jesus inaugurated his ministry that way. They're going to do that too. Skip down to verse 14. Now... When the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, right? They've been baptized. They believe they've become Christians. They sent to them Peter and John. Next verse. Who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Keep going. For he had not yet, oh, Luke, you must have written this book, fallen on any of them. But they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Next verse. Then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So you see something that happened to Jesus is now happening a year after Pentecost. The other guys have been told to wait. And there's a year now afterwards where this same thing, they've been baptized because they believed and come into agreement with Christ and they're inaugurated in their ministry. And then there's going to be this coming upon dimension in their lives. 
And now let's fast forward 20 years, 20 years. You don't pick this up if you read Acts too fast. 20 years later, Acts chapter 19, verse 5. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So now 20 years later, we have a baptism. They're going to be put down in water. The inauguration of their ministry is taking place. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. What was that? Well, it just looks like the same pattern we've been seeing in Scripture. Does it have to happen that way? The Bible doesn't sound like it's making this the only way that it can happen, but it is sounding like it did happen that way. That there are moments in which there is a Luke 4 awareness of the Spirit being upon us. That there is a power that comes to our lives because the Spirit of God is there and He's present. Young and old, wherever you are in your walk with Christ, is there a need for power in your life, in your ministry, as you walk into 2022? Because if there is, and I'm you know, not just ministry to carry a microphone around and lead a meeting, and I'm just talking about that, I'm talking about whatever ministry you're going to have, you're going to sit down across the table from somebody else and give them counsel. You're going to lead a small group. You're going to gather with some women and talk about God's word together and care for one another. You're going to do ministry in those moments. And you're going to need power to do that. Not the power that's in the walls, not the power that's in the Bible, but the power that comes when the switch is on. So here's what I'd like to invite us to do. And this is a weird invitation right now. I want to invite folks to come forward to turn the switch on. I'd like for you to be able to leave here today with a Luke 4 mindset. I'd like for you to walk out of this building going, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. So let's stand up together. We're going to do the 2022 COVID version of laying on hands. I don't know what that looks like. I'm making this up. Um, I, I want you to come forward though, because I, I, I think you have to do something intentional to turn the switch on. I don't think it's enough for you to have a theology that there's electricity in the walls and my vacuum cleaner is plugged in and hallelujah, I got power. I've read all that, Keith. And by faith, I've got power. Okay, stare at your life for a moment. Just tell me if your switch is on. Tell me if you're experiencing that power. Tell me if it feels like power has left your body for others. Tell me if you're seeing things. Tell me if conviction is running deep in your soul. Tell me if faith has gotten birthed in you lately to say, I can do that. I'm going to try that. Tell me if God has rescued you from your thoughts that are heavy and dark and the spirit of God has shown up in power. Jesus said, I came to set captives free. Anybody here captive by something? Jesus said it was the power of the spirit of God that would break captivity off of people. So if your life is characterized by captivity, I'd say it's got a power outage going on in it. To open the eyes of the blind. I don't think that's just physical healing. And it's a word about insight and seeing and seeing things in life 
And sometimes our lack of seeing them makes our world very dark and it makes it hard and menacing and oppressive. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me so that I could step into your darkness and the power of God would come and that would be different. That's what power is in the New Testament. So I want us to pray. I want us to pray for guys that are gathered here this morning. I want you to pray from where you are. I want you to intercede. Let's pause. We're pausing today for power needed in 2022. Can you just think about your life right now in 2022? What do you need? What do you need God's power to show up in your world and do? How do you need God's power in 2022? You've got other power. Be warned. Everybody in this church has got money in their pockets and in their bank accounts. You've got economic power in your life. You've got a tribe and some people in your world that you can pull on them. You can influence them. You can change your world tomorrow because you can get other people to like you. You've got other power in your life. What do you need God's power to do this year in your life? Let's just turn our hearts to God right now. Lord, I don't know what it looked like when the Apostle Paul showed up with these guys in Ephesus or the apostles came from Jerusalem and met these folks at Philippi. But Lord, there was a moment where they just prayed. That's all they they knew to do. They called out to you. They were reminded of what you said about the Father sending power from on high for lives that we're inaugurating a mission into the kingdom of God. Lord, for most of us standing here this morning, this isn't day one for us. But Lord, 2022 is a new mission. It's got stuff in it for some of us that we've never done before. It's got places to walk that we've never walked before. It's got people to encounter that we have never encountered before. There's needs in our lives, in our families, in our church that we've never seen before. There's going to be opportunities for faith in 2022 that we've never had before. And there's going to be a devil that we met last week who's going to meet us in that path. Lord, we will need your power to face him. Lord, I need your power to face me. So, Father, we are here pausing for power this morning. I pray we're going to pause for power this week. God, we're going to be be spending time with you. Lord, I pray that what you would accomplish in our lives would be a Luke 4 mindset. The first chance I get to say anything of spiritual value, I'm mindful. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. God, I pray that right now for impossible situations, that people walked in here with an impossible situation. You've called them to something. There's men and women here who are called to be married to each other. And it's begun to feel impossible. But Lord, I can't say that's impossible. And in the next sentence, say the spirit of the Lord is upon me. I can't. Because your spirit makes impossible things quite possible. Lord, there there are folks in our midst whose lives are so hectic and so busy almost nauseating. That's the word that comes to mind. Nauseating. Life has become nauseating. But God, 2022 has got purposes for them. God, right now, would you help us pause, get rid of some of the noise and clutter just to hear something from you this morning that makes us put some things on the back burner that makes us push us out of the way. Stop talking to me. 
are listening to God. God, would you make us aware you're sending us just like these nobodies in Philippi, these nobodies in Ephesus that we never even learn their names, 12 of them, we don't know who they are. But the Spirit of God comes upon them for purposes that he has in their lives. Lord, right now, right now, for every one of us who are here, who are hoisting our lives to you, saying, God, we need your power to come upon us. God, I'm a believer. I know that I'm I'm indwelt by your spirit. Lord, I know you're in me. I know you've given me a new heart and you've done so many things in my life, but God, I I, I need power to come upon me. God, I, I need you to launch me. I need you to affect me. I need you to awaken me. God, I need conviction in my heart that's been lacking. God, I I need compelling in my heart that's been lacking. I need faith in my heart, God. And God, I'm grateful this morning to hear that this is not supposed to be something that I make up on my own. It's power that comes from you. So Lord, would you fill us? Holy Spirit, would you fill us? Would you be among us, filling our lives to the point that we notice you, we're mindful of you. We're going to walk into this week knowing the spirit of the Lord is upon me. It's upon me for this week. God, there are some here this morning. God, I pray for young people. I pray for young people. God, who are looking for some other natural power to convince them to be Christians. They're looking for some natural argument to undo some other natural argument. They're finding voices amongst those who would say Jesus was Elijah or he was a prophet, he was a cool dude. And they can't find anything, Lord, that's turning their hearts to you. And they're turning away from you, God. God, I pray for a generation, I pray for our young people Lord, that they would know this power. The power that causes us to stare at them and say, where'd you get that from? How did you see that? Why do you know that in such a compelling way? How did that mystery get unfolded to you? Well, because the spirit of the Lord opens blinded eyes and causes us to see and nobody else can do that. God, there are no other keys. No one in coming generations will know you deeply apart from the Holy Spirit. God, I pray that you'd stir up a desire. Lord, we are a people who are curious about weird power. There is no question we are. God, I pray for young people in particular. God, that you'd make them curious about the weird power in the Bible, the weird power of God among people. The weird power of God giving gifts that are hard to explain and seem weird and strange and even out of place and used wrong. God, would you give them a heart to say, but it's there. It's a revelation from God. God, I pray for the speaking in tongues and prophecy among our people. Lord, I pray for the gift of healing to be in our midst and for us to be so mindful that there's a power that undoes, that reorders the molecules at the name of Jesus from sickness to health. You had that authority, Lord, and you gave authority to us. 
God, make us a church that's familiar with this authority and this power to be used in our midst for your glory, for your namesake. God, lastly, I, I pray for I pray for power for those of us who are older. That your power would consume our lives. Lord, that we would be powerful, not just in our memories, and maybe not just in our personal gifts, but Lord, we would be powerful in the activity of the Spirit that sounds like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. Oh, Lord, how about a revival in those categories? For many, many of us, Holy Spirit, come upon us, fill us, help us, Lord, to be Luke 4, launched like you were launched. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Hey, we miss you guys. We love you. Praying for you. Those of you guys who are struggling with some health issues. We are praying for you. Keep our prayer chain posted so we can keep hoisting you up, seeing God do some things in your midst. Thank you guys.